this is the 98th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Berners, with me are my dear co-hosts Robinson Sien and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, hi, how do you do? Hello, card slingers and other folk. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the Top Deck app. As discussed in our last episode, the European Legacy Masters are upon us with none other than our dear Christopher in one of the Swedish seats. What are our predictions for this mighty bout with the European Legacy cream of the crop? We will discuss amongst ourselves after our usual rundown of recent paper legacy at our local game store, which I again want to remind everyone is also a bar with a wide selection of craft beer. We all made it there last week, so let's go round by round this time. Starting with Robin, what was your round one like? Right, I brought Naya Depths, and since this is off-season and I don't have a European Legacy Masters to prepare for, I threw in 20 bad cards into my 60-card deck and a Yorion in the sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> this was not a good proposition. I played some pre-game games versus a buddy who was on also Naya Depths, and I lost every pre-game game because he always what had... a surprise. <laughs> yeah. He found the cards. He, he, he found the cards. Without brainstorm. <laughs> I realized that I need to find my cards as well. So I actually shifted something. Maybe it was a fourth Eorlingas or something like that for a fourth Sylvan Library. So four Sylvan Libraries in my 80-card deck. I'm up against Death and Taxes. 60-card Death and Taxes, I should say. So like the the roles, <laughs> the roles are reversed. And I start with the library. And of course, in my first turn, I immediately draw three go down to 12 and then i proceed to put large creatures into play and start the beat down and i get knights and i get reclaimers and all of that he plays patiently eventually he gets a mirror and crusader down and he equips it with a sword of fire and ice <laughs> and i need to rip a sword of plowshares immediately do you think i find it in my 80 card deck no i don't for no, sure no. i'm gonna be the hater saying no Shocker. Only green blockers to be seen, and he swings for little the coming turn. On the second game, I stumble on my mana. I try to get the Punishing Fire Loam engine going. But you can't find all these three components in the 80-card <laughs> deck without card draw. That is correct. So 0-2 uh, against 60-card Death and Taxes. It's not the time of Orcs, it's the time of Miran Crusaders. Oh, I love Miran Crusaders so much. Yes. I remember I played at the release of... Uh, New Phyrexia, and then we played like two boosters of Scars, Mirrodin Besieged, and uh, New Phyrexia. And in my pool, like in my seal deck, I had Miran Crusader, Hero Blade Hold, Sword of Feast and Famine, and Batter Skull. And I played against this Infect opponent in the finals, and I literally equipped Batter Skull to Miran Crusader against my green black opponent and that was pretty pretty bad <laughs> nice it's like hi here are my three bomb mythics <laughs> <laughs> and 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 this rare that's also quite okay yeah and this rare that just beats your deck <laughs> that was pretty nasty so robin got what we could expect him to get in round one what about you christopher so i played aluren and uh, a pretty similar list to what i'm thinking about sleeving up this Saturday. Round one, I played against Mono White Initiative. In game one, I punted pretty hard. My opponent played that human with vigilance that whenever it enters the battlefield, I think you look at the opponent's hand and then you get to say a spell or like a card name. And the spell costs two more to cast 
and abilities with that card name costs two more to activate. So I was sitting there feeling all happy and my opponent said polluted delta and I had a forest, a polluted delta in play and my only ha- land in hand was another polluted delta. <laughs> whoops. So I was like, whoops, should have read the card. And this is like, I've played against this opponent quite a bit. And he said in like one month earlier or whatever, he was like, yeah, sometimes I get people with this trick. <laughs> and, you know, you never think about it until it happens to you. <laughs> but my opponent, like my, my hand was pretty stacked though. I had an Abrupt Decay, Brazen Borrower, Alluran, Uro, and something else. So I just, you know, play my Polluted Delta out, and then I draw a card, don't draw land, draw another card, which is a land. And uh, I get to end of turn Brazen Borrower, this monstrosity of a creature, and double fetch. And from there, I just get to, you know, play some cards out and win with the card advantage. Game two was really brutal. I think it was a turn one chalice, a turn two free mana folia, you know, making the lands enter tapped and stuff like that. I just have to, you know, play a tapped fetch on my turn two. My opponent main faces Avon Mind Sensor. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, Which is also just brutal. (laughs) I make a normal land drop, but then I end up in a situation where like, I'm going to lose if I don't just windmill fetch. And I do find a land that I can fetch in the top four. But my opponent continues to jam frets. And this time it's the free free Phyrexian canonist that um, i think players can only cast one non-phyrexian spell per turn are you talking about archon of emeria no 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 this is a phyrexian creature it's a free free for free it's a house i'm not sure if it has vigilance but you know that first effect uh, only cast one spell it's pretty good against my combo and eventually i i die game three is very back and forth in this game the initiative actually comes into play on both sides you know, being a learn, it's quite easy to steal it with quattles and stuff like that. We're, we end up in a situation where I'm at 11 life. My opponent has a 5-6 Seasoned Dungeoneer and a Boromir in play. And the next stage, if they get the initiative back, is the you take 5. But I'm sitting with a pretty nice board. If I want to, their things won't get through. So when they go into combat... Like pre-combat, I brace and borrow like Petty Theft, the seasoned engineer, so that they don't have any good attacks. I think my opponent might have played out the seasoned engineer to dome me. I can't remember. But the swing back from me is pretty hard. I think it's for all life but one. But then I have the orcish bowmaster in hand to ping the last damage. So that was a really tight game, but... I'm happy that I managed to squeeze out of it. So, uh, Victor, how how was your round one? Well, I brought tried and tested Black Red Reanimator. Didn't change a card since the last time, so it's still ten discards. No weird attractions, no trolls. Keeping it like I've been keeping it for a while, and I sit down. I lose the die roll. You know, always a bit. Ah, why can't I get the free wins? And my opponent plays Fetch Go. I move to six and I have I have sort of potentially Gristlebrand turn one off of reanimate. On a move to six, I have no discard. But my opponent does not play any ponder, does not in any way signal that they are an obvious counterspell deck. So I'm like, sure, land, petal, faithless looting, reanimate resolves. I draw seven, so I'm down to four. And I draw 
Four Lands, Petal, Dark Ritual, Thoughtseize. Like it's it's one of these really horrible sevens, like essentially. And, and I'm at four and I don't know what my opponent is playing. So even though I have another, I have a Petal to play a Thoughtseize, should I want to, I don't dare to. Because I mean, I'm in, in lightning bolt range. It's sort of can't do that. So I just pass. <laughs> and my opponent proceeds to sort of Chrome Mox, Lotus Petal, Ritual, Mind's Desire <laughs> for five. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> no, double Ritual, that is, double Ritual. And yeah. then Rite of Flame, Burning Wish, Tendrils. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. That's that's nice. Didn't see that coming. A Thoughtseize would have been nice to actually play there, but, you know, easy to sort of think of that as an afterthought. So I'm like, okay, I, at least I know what I'm up against. Let's go. And then in game two and in game three, I basically do turn one Grizzlebrand, follow up with, in one of these games, also turn one Arkan, like these really great nut draws, shredding their hands. They don't have anything really. And just sort of stomp them in quick turns in both these second and third games basically because i draw really well i mulligan good i mean i've I've, i'm quite good at mulliganing with this tech now but it's also the deck really returns the favor so to say few decks have a lot to do in the face of that so two one for me against turn two minus (laughs) aside nice great to see that card being played yeah, also super nice opponent who has played before, but now lives in Canada currently. Hangs around face-to-face games, so nice to see them too and play. It was super nice. So I'm also 1-0, and and we head into round two, Robin. Where did you end up then? Well, I get to face off against the initiative player that didn't manage to beat Christopher. And since we're both losers from the first round, we pair up against each other. In the first game, he has a little bit of a slow start. I think he has something like land pass. But on the second turn, he gets an Archon into play. And that slows me down a lot as well. No land tap comes into play tapped. And if you play one spell, you can't play another. So like Moxes are not a super good way to advance your board state but i managed to get the mace down to keep him out of attacking me he has boromir which i find caracas for and i get to flash in an endurance to block his archon eventually and start shifting the game in my favor he gets down a dungeoneer but i managed to take the initiative back eventually i have larger dudes than what he does when the knights start to come into play so i managed to win the first one and in the second game he makes a play that is we, we discussed it a lot after, but he goes hard after my Arbor and he plays like Ancient Tomb Petal to take it away with his O-Ring effect. What is it called? Spirit, Enter the Spirit Realm, something like that. But that punishes him because I have already mana in play, of course. The, I'm not so dependent on my Arbor and I get to waste him and then he doesn't really draw cards and I manage to assemble a random excavator wasteland, and he can't get out of it, so eventually he scoops. So uh, two pretty fast game against initiative. Like sometimes that arbor play is going to pay off, but it's always scary opening yourself up to wasteland. Maybe he was like, he's on an 80 card deck. He won't have wasteland. Yeah, I think if he would have played a threat there instead, at least the wasteland would have been much worse for me. I mean, sometimes it's super good. And if it is super good, maybe he wins on that play. So So, uh, yeah, my round two opponent was against Jeskai Control. And I'll just summarize these games. It was pretty much Uro eventually drawing way too many cards and gaining me way too much life. My opponent, you know, 
swords to plowshare one uro and then i just played another one and escaped it and eventually my opponent played uh, four fearlingas for x equals seven and i was just like no blocks well i blocked one with uro and then i just <laughs> kept on attacking and they died eventually no blocks <laughs> yeah that was pretty much the feeling of both games and he's he told me afterwards he's like it feels like this matchup like how he has configured his deck it just feels worse and worse against uro decks Mm. That's strange because, you know, Swords to Plowshares and Prismatic Ending are good ways to solve Uro, but mm. that's not the only threat that the, I'm presenting. Yeah. So I guess that it's annoying to have to dig for those, you know, temporary fixes when I'm potentially presenting a kill every turn when I have a lot of mana and a lot of cards. So yeah. Uh, that was a pretty, not a quick 2-0 because, I mean, it was a very grindy game, but it was a 2-0. <laughs> X is 7, it seems like <laughs> it took some time. But it, that, that kind of reminds me on like the old Grixis control against Miracle, where like the Grixis control, which is Aluren in this case, it had like a built-in value in every card it played, while uh, Miracle was trying to slam one haymaker that will like deal with a lot of things. But like that is a losing proposition when your opponent is gaining a small advantage all of the time and you are trying to one-for-one them and then recoup like with one spell. I can remember that feeling from like the blue-white deck. <laughs> yeah, I think the second uh, their biggest two-for-one or well, X-for-one spell got banned, in top yeah, they yeah, presented yeah. A, a very big x for one threat that yeah, was yes. very hard to deal with but you know collagen's command snapcaster and all of those things eventually tugs the opponent down and then only things like entreat the angels will fix the match exactly but then you can just keep like a force of will for the entreat and <laughs> or collagen's command when they draw the first card right. <laughs> for the turn you just you discard and take two yeah, there's a lot yeah. of nasty things but yeah it kind of feels like that the inevitability in the grind yes uh, over to victor yeah so my round two i sit down and my opponent i'm moving on to six and I, I keep a hand in which i have to choose between unmasking myself or the opponent turn one so my opponent goes fetch delver I draw a card for turn and head into the tank for a bit because they, I think, guess what I'm on. Having seen me earlier, just sort of see me hang around playing the deck often. And I'm thinking they are probably like, I want to sort of, how do I maximize my chances here? Because I, I, I can't afford to wait against these decks. Like Delver, the longer the games go, the, the more I lose. So I decide to go land ritual resolves something. Okay, I have three mana. So I'm safe from days to do unmask myself and then reanimate or exhume. So I unmask myself, but they force the unmask, Ooh. which is the, the correct play, of course. Forcing the unmask, then I have wasted the dark ritual, of course. And the card you pitch to yeah. unmask as yeah. well. So that's very good. And then they keep on deploying threats. The Delver doesn't flip for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but the seventh turn. So when, when we get to turn seven, I have managed to sort of play Archon, take out creatures, tug back and forth with Bowmasters, who sort of, of course, when you attack, you have to sack a creature, but then you get the Bowmaster effect, you get to get a creature back. I got a second Archon. Like, it's sort of, it's really back and forth in the life totals here, but my opponent is at three life when they eventually, the board is practically empty 
on my side, I have one Archon that I have swung with because I need to sort of get them down. And they have four damage on board and the Delver finally flips. And it was only fair because they had a Delver since turn one and it didn't flip until the very last turn of this quite long game. So I'm not going to be sort of too upset about that. In game two, I go for Grizzlebrand, get it going. My opponent decides to sort of try and fight. But then when I also resolve a Voidwalker, they say, okay, that's fine. Because they basically have Merktides in hand and cantrips, and that's not going to cut it when Voidwalker is there. So we go to game three, which starts off a bit grindy. We do the whole sort of Archon Bowmasters thing again, but (laughs) they keep deploying like one or two creatures per turn as well. So they have quite a few creatures at some point, like I think four or five, like a flipped Delver, two Bowmasters, and a Dragon's Rage Channeler. And then I go to Entomb and reanimate a card and it resolves and I play um, Sarah's Emissary and say Creatures. Oof. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. And then I go for attack and he's like, yeah, I'm going to block. I'm like, mm, read a card, please. And he's like, oh, even so. And then in his mm-hmm. next turn, when I when he's, he has one turn before I have a lethal swing because he's at seven and i have a seven seven and a six six that drains for three when it attacks then he rips his shield that's edict but that's of course way too late so i can just sack the archon and then swing for seven so two one in three tight fun really fun games really fun to play we were both quite happy about that match yeah the emissary is so brutal it's so good like because the thing is everyone cuts her for sort of troll atraxa package and i'm just like this card is is so good i will never leave the main deck atraxa would have been pretty good for you there as well though sure not as good no not as good exactly but yeah i definitely see it that's one of the situations where atraxa would have been better than grizzlebrand sure but grizzlebrand wasn't on the in the sort of in the mix to begin with since I had the Archon. It would have been better than Archon though. Yes, Atraxa would have been better than Grizzlebrand to Entomb there. It's correct. But then again, like... It's not your philosophy. I mean, it's not my philosophy, but also that this is this is like turn six or something. And I'm thinking the games that I have gone to turn six that I'm not winning, I don't know if Atraxa turns the tables. She might be doing that. I mean, people are playing her and finishing in tournaments. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's a bad card or it doesn't fit the deck. It's just that I'm still not buying into it. I will try it at some point. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Someone used to borrow me the Atraxas, though. So. Yeah, I can do that. I, I guess it's like the just the amount of Bowmasters that is played online when it's surpassed Brainstorming. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> like, from, from this level matchup, this was the, my first time I played against proper Bowmasters resolving in every game. Mm. And I did not feel that they were really sort of a big threat for me. Never did I feel like, oh, they have the Bowmasters, that's why I'm losing. I felt 0% of the time. You didn't go for Grizzlebrand when you got when they got Bowmastered. You didn't run into that. And Grizzlebrand is your bread and butter. So it's it will eventually happen. Sure, but as I keep saying, like I don't think you never want to play your reanimation into two open mana with unknown cards in your opponent's hand. Like You can just expect things to not go well. And there are so many spells besides Bowmaster that will sort of fuck you as much in, in that situation. So uh, I don't think it tips the scales, really. Sure, I mean, is it good for me that the opponents play Bowmasters? No. But do I feel devastated by the fact? Absolutely not. So what about round three, Robin? I'm up against Dark Maverick. I've been playing so much against 
non-blue decks lately. Just Mavericks, like pseudo-mirrors all the time. Anyway, Game It is, is, is such a slugfest. I, I think I have a silver library. It was so good in this entire tournament. Like, the 80-card deck was super bad, but having access to a lot of silver libraries was super good. So I get a little bit ahead. He fights back with, like, a Jailer that uh, steals one of my Reclaimer, but I managed to take the Monarch back and get my Reclaimer back and, like, swing the game that way. And also, I have a Punishing Fire going with the Grove. So I managed to win the game one. In the second game, he has a more explosive start where he gets Bowmaster down and a Grist, and there's a little combo there where the Bowmasters make a little token that the Grist can sack, and I'm a little bit on the back foot there. But I'm relying on uh, the card that I've boarded in, which is Fiery Justice. It's such a pet card oh, I for love me. This. I, uh... I, I remember standing next to you because I, I finished my yeah. three matches at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is super grindy. So we are ha- having a low clock on game two already. I finally get to, to three mana, one green, one white and one red to, to cast this Fiery Justice. I can sweep the board. Re- but, uh... Read it. What does it do? Because uh, some people might not know this. What does it do? Okay, it's a sorcery for green, white, and red. It deals <laughs> five damage divided any way you want, and then your opponent gains five life. Target opponent it's an honest fury that goes face when you need to, but they <laughs> regain the life too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is very special tech for like both sweeping up little dudes and of course gaining a little bit life against shadow opponents yeah, get that punishing fire back yeah, exactly the synergies are there anyway i i miss like i i misjudge how i should divide this damage and instead of playing a plow in his end step to kill one of the tutus, I just divide damage to them instead. But then I realize after that that Fiery Justice actually can damage Planeswalkers as well. Any target. Any targets. I should have killed this Grist, but the Grist sticks around. That means that on the next turn, when I slam the Minskin Boo, he has a plow for the little token, and on his turn, he can just kill it with his Grist. From there on, I'm I'm actually behind. I thought like this is this is so going my way, but he's been drawing a, a, a few cards with a dark confidant and all of that, so he's actually taking over the game and managed to win when we are very low on clock and we don't even have time to start the third game. So it's a draw against the Dark Maverick, i.e. the Maverick deck that sort of had stacked their deck with the number of cards that they were able to reach their threats and and answers. Being a 60-card deck, you know, there are some very <laughs> strong strategic advantages of playing a 60-card deck. Uh, the 80-card yeah. must be so bad in the mirror. <laughs> I mean, it I mean, it could be good if the Yorian did matter a lot, but like... <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, what are you blinking? I, I don't have any value blinks, basically. And it's pretty bad against an opposing Caracas mm. deck, so... Yeah, the Yorion was not very impactful in any of my games. <laughs> but it's a good meme. It's a good meme. Here for the content. Yes. My round three was against, let's see, was against D&T. And this is the 60 card D&T that Robin played against. For game one, I actually did not sp- cast a single spell. <laughs> it was not due to, you know, heavy mana denial from their side. I just literally, I kept a hand with a lot of lands and I kept on drawing lands, and I ended up in a situation where my opponent just had too much going on, so rather than show them anything, I decided to concede. 
and, <laughs> so and they, like this four was lands and scoop five five <laughs> the five fuck? what did you have in hand yeah. except for lands like i can't remember but i remember every every time i drew a card i was like i should have mold <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very strong sentiment that i felt throughout the whole game one but in game two we actually did play some magic and we like we get some actual value going team eventually we end up in a board state where i have escaped uro twice my opponent has a caracas so you know playing and escaping uro is starting to (laughs) become very taxing on my graveyard but my opponent is tapped out i have uro in my graveyard and four other cards so i can't escape it and yeah my opponent is sitting there with a miran crusader equipped with a batter skull i love that miran crusader i just uh, decide to go for the haymaker i'm gonna attack with everything and they're like sure i'll block your endurance with uh, my miran crusader and no other blocks so i'm like okay you gain six and you take eight or something, maybe less. But then I go to my second main. I escape Uro, play Aluren, and Harpy them. <laughs> so I literally draw a lot of cards and just bow master the crap out of them. In game three, I keep a free land hand. And I actually end up losing the game with free lands in play. I only played basics, didn't get wastelanded. And I think I didn't draw a cantrip or a land for maybe eight or nine turns. So that was pretty rough, but you know, it happens. So I, I died with two Aluren, two Harpy, two Uro, uh, one Bowmaster, and one Engineer in hand. <laughs> so that was that was pretty brutal. I drew the Engineer the turn I scooped, and it was way too late then already. So yeah, I'm two and one. So for my round three, I played against Spherelands. Importantly, the only die roll of the evening I won. So in Turn one, I get to play both land and petals and discard my opponent. So taking their crop, seeing they have sphere, but since I know that and they have basically no other things that are going to matter short in, in sort of in the short term, through the sphere, I can push through reanimation and just get Crystal Brad and, and sort of get going. In game two, I mulligan harder and they have a Thoughtseize for a card, I think, or Thoughtsies or some other thing that impairs me. And they get exploration and have Marit pretty quick. And I have nothing to sort of show for it in defense. So it's one and one. And then in game three, they discard me as well from sort of a turn two Grizzled Brand. I have an animate dead in hand that I can play turn two. But then I rip Exhume. So I get my fatty into play anyway. And from there, I go on to also play Sarah's Emissary. Nice. <laughs> On land? Yes. And after that, play Grisbrand. I see they tap the Caracas and be like, uh, no. <laughs> You're like, oh, you, yeah, you have one mana in the pool. <laughs> Excellent for you. So 2-1 uh, against lands. And that's sort of, um, it's a matchup that earlier, before the current build, so rewind nine, ten months or something. I think Lance was a pretty tough matchup, especially Sphere Lance, of course, because they have main deck Sphere and all that going on. But with the current build of the deck, I feel that I have a good fighting chance. What are the changes you're talking about? Just sort of going heavily into discard, even more streamlined and early reanimation, I guess. And also the sideboard is, is sort of in game two, 
serenity mattered a bit for yeah, example for sure. and i had i did actually cost in, in game two i think i did cost one of my i get, get did get one of my creatures into play through show and tell yeah i was gonna say that if they're not on the red build which like there are white builds black builds i don't know if they're not on the red build show and tell should be pretty straightforward yeah so two and one another two and one i should say my third in a row so i'm playing tight matches here very tight magic still of course finished quickly enough to come see robin play that grind fest but then so we're on to round four robin you're one one and one at this point that is correct I am up against Death's Shadow, finally a blue deck. I don't really remember all that much about these matches, but I think in game one, I play pretty bad. I'm a little bit undecisive again, if I should like go for a merit plan. I don't know if you think thought about that when I reported the other games, but I haven't win one with the Merit Leech in like any of the matches. <laughs> How many uh, depths do you play? I was on two depths and three stages. So like the same amount as in the 60 card deck, but with 20 extra bad cards. Uh, this you is the 20 theme. bangers. <laughs> 20 bangers. <laughs> 20 bangers. 20 bangers. So I think that like he's bouncing my reclaimer with a brazen borrower and i'm like should i use it or should i use my two mana to sort of plowshare one of his things had i gotten like the lands for merit leech i would have played around counter magic but i didn't do that so i i tried to plow his dude instead and he had a force will for that and from there he just takes <laughs> he just take it over in the second game I draw a lot of wastelands and waste him out and uh, he scoops before he's actually dead. And in game three, I think I have a early Sylvan and just manage to grind him out with creatures and no risks taken. So like playing a maze was very good. I played a lot of creature decks where the maze was fantastic. So like there, there was some lessons to, to learn from this like bad deck building. <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot of silver libraries and uh, the maze as a, a tutor target was really good. And then a lot of the other filler cards that I put in the deck was uh, not so good. And like I was very often missing like the key cards in the deck. Like <laughs> I need a green sun now. Mm. I need a reclaimer in my starting yeah. hand. I need a knight now. Like those things happened less often. And also like the, the sweet package of flagstones that you sack like with a reclaim or, or with a crop rotation. Like yeah, that all of those things were like blended out. Not a good deck to go up to 84, I think. And uh, I'm back on 60 now that the league starts and games start to matter a little bit more. Yeah, it sounds like you had this really nice broth of Naya Depths that you have <laughs> been playing for a long time. And you, you're like, I'm going to dilute it so it lasts longer, you know, <laughs> longer games. You can, you know, put some new vegetables in there. And then eventually you're just <laughs> like, oh, I just watered down my very sweet broth. Yes, sometimes you need to do that to like really appreciate what you had <laughs> yeah like i'm my only my only sorrow is that uh, you didn't get game one pyroblasted yorion <laughs> which which was a theme when the yorion dnt ran into some great like uh, blue red delvers in the iteration meta where they're like right oh yeah my game one yorion in my mono white deck a pyroblasted game one yeah that's so nice <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry that didn't happen to you but i'm also happy that you picked up a win how was your final game chris so i played against another dnt opponent but this was a yorion build in game one i get to play a bowmaster on turn two and shoot down their lion sash that they just played before it can grow 
And on turn three, I just play a harpy to pick up the bowmaster again. And this is pretty good against DNT. Pretty good. Because, you know, Falia, Mother Runes, like a lot of cards will just get pinged if they play them. And at around turn four or five, I resolve an Aluren. And this was a new card for my opponent. This was actually their second legacy tournament ever. And I think that's super amazing, you know, not only getting new players, but this player was sitting at two and one with a 80 card DNT deck and doing doing That's not just super easy to pick up. And it's like no other deck they would have played before because it really exists only in that format. Yeah. So that was, that was really fun. Like uh, when I learned about that, if you remember my board state, I had a, a harpy in play and, uh, an orc army. When the learn has resolved, I say, I want to pay one life and pick up my harpy. And they're like, I'm going to respond. And then they played the, is it called Loran? The 2-1 Vigilance that you can tap it to draw a card, but on ETB it destroys an enchantment and artifact. Yep, so they play that and target my Aluren, where I point to my harpy and say, I would like to pay one. <laughs> Again, and uh, I don't have a combo kill, mm-hmm. but I have enough to shoot. They had a small board and a vial on two. And they had played Recruiter of the Guard to get a Spirit of the Labyrinth earlier. So I knew that, uh, you know, sure, it's still good to get Uro. Like if I had Uro and they play a Spirit, I can still gain more life than they can ever dream of getting rid of. Sure. But instead, I just proceed to shoot their board which was maybe two creatures and dome them in the face for six to get a really big army and then the loran etb yeah no i i I shot this was with loran on the stack then i let loran come into play and the target the loran where i proceeded to shoot the loran as well (laughs) so my opponent was facing down like 12 or 13 points of damage with my army and stuff like that and i was like i don't need to go lower And eventually I just swing and kill them. Like they presented some blockers, but you know, even if they managed to solve the army, I still have that bowmaster and harpy that I can manually play, like pick up harpy, get the bowmaster back. It's just really tricky. In game two, I play a zoo game. You know, I play a bowmaster. I think I killed a lion sash on turn two again. (laughs) I play... (laughs) engineer on human into opposition agent to turn off recruiters and stoneforge into another engineer on elemental and then i decay slash brace and borrower any blocker and just get the beats in yeah so uh, that was uh, (laughs) who's the taxes and three one in total what about you victor i sit down for what is we are three players at uh, three no and I'm facing one of them. So the other one is playing against an upper pair of the opponent. So I feel like it's the moral final of the of the evening. And I run into my second Minds Desire deck. Only this time it's high tide. My opponent knows exactly what to do here. Uh, essentially stay alive through all means necessary until they get to turn four or five when they will sort of unless their hand is ultra crap inevitably take it down they sort of they play it really well because they proceed to you know wish for a fluster storm only to deny me one extra mana that i could have used when my reanimation spell has gone through so that they, they sort of big brained the match like that and that got them all the way i, I lost oh two i had basically nothing Nothing got through the vast 
array of counter spells and then in game two also surgicals and things also i quit drawing with really good hands after finishing match number three <laughs> in these games against high tide my hands weren't sort of fantastic and like having sort of turn one reanimation with discard would have been fantastic and sort of a hand like that probably would have won me a match but they didn't show up for this final round so i got smashed or two but i was happy because i got to shuffle my cards from their the usual spell that turns everything about and then they also sort of minus desire storm is 15 and i'm like yeah yeah I, I did have like my plan was to Sarah's emissary and say instant to sort of because that's the it's a blue Zanzinith brain freeze kill, but never got there. So yeah, fun though, happy about three and one again with the deck. Nothing to complain about, really. Pretty cool that high tide would go four oh as well. Yeah, only four oh deck of the evening is high tide. Love Welcome it. to Stockholm. Well, that brings us to our other topic of this evening. The European Legacy Masters are happening this weekend with a new set legal right off the bat, sort of the same day as the tournament is played. So uh, let's talk some predictions here. What kind of decks are you going to have to beat in order to reach a top eight in this tournament? We can start with something that I think Robin found. You found uh, the uh, compilation of decks that qualified people. Yeah. So do you want to go through of that? Of course. Let's not just run through all the numbers because it's a lot of decks <laughs> that have been compiled here. But interestingly, when like the qualifying decks, it's only 20% tempo. I think that's rather low, at least compared to how the online game has looked the last couple of weeks. The number of Iset Delver decks is equal to the number of uh, Cephalid Breakfast decks, for instance. That I think <laughs> that's a little bit funny. And then Control at 18%, Midrange 13%, Permanent Combo 22 So there you have all of your Allurance and uh, <laughs> that kind of nice decks. And spell Combo 11%, Stompy 16%. So that makes Combo exactly one third of the qualifying meta like with these numbers there are some things that i think is also important to uh, think about during a lot of these tournaments where people qualified uh, the lord of the Rings set was not released so the troll of casa doom the uh, orcish bowmasters the one ring for fialingas none of those cards were legacy uh, legal because they they weren't they weren't out in print, uh, like the deck I qualified with, I had a Serac as my win con, and ever since Bowmasters came, I I just cut it. Is it Delver? You see, like um, there were six out of the maybe one hundred ten plus players uh, qualified with it, but a lot of the qualifiers was also pre ban of Expressive Iteration and White Plume Adventurer. That's why we also see seven initiative that definitely played white plume adventurer i think looking at the meta now if i would make some sort of prediction i think cephalid breakfast might have a tough time in bologna if people are playing bowmasters now getting to ping a creature for one both kills the nomads and the illusionist and it really puts a lot of pressure on your teferi to be good so that means you have to run teferis and might be really rough 
Yeah, I mean, I think in order to get anywhere in this tournament, you're going to have to fight through Bowmasters, either with your own Bowmasters or through some other means that either beats the Bowmasters or just doesn't care about the Bowmasters. And I think the people who find tweaks to existing decks or perhaps even brews up something slightly new that just runs over and makes Bowmasters you know, irrelevant, those players, I think, are going to have an edge here. Yeah, I think that's quite reasonable. I think that's a good estimate. And I think uh, the most overrepresented uh, category of qualified decks that I think might be even less at the tournament is Stompy, actually. Because a lot of the qualified decks that were Stompy were initiative decks. For me, at least, the strongest deck, Stompy deck now, is just straight up mono red deck yeah the old school one yeah but of course with adventure yeah exactly but it's going to be really interesting to see how people approach this meta and i would definitely like the deck to beat if you're going to blogna i think it's going to be death's shadow cradle control and eight cast that's my prediction maybe painter as well because europe loves painter i think I would, if I was to go here and would want to sort of do an outside, an outlier strategy, I would first look at Merfolk. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's brave. <laughs> it's better than eighty card Naya <laughs> Oh, eighty card Merfolk. That's the meta because you you have so many more creatures than the average Merfolk deck. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just gonna say because like Merfolks are bigger than than super small and they have island walk and you get a lot of counter spells and the merfolk suite the merfolk creatures are actually i think they're finally reached sort of this is where they want to be at yeah i would seriously look at merfolk how how would you build merfolk for this tournament that would be my outlier strategy i mean there's some merit to it i think the scary thing with it is this is probably going to be an eight round tournament and merfolk has had some consistency issues generally they can really stomp a delver or shadow deck but the con- getting the consistency to get eight good rounds might be hard i think i think so if i played merfolk and went well in the first six rounds i think i would die out of top eight because i would run into some blue white red control player and just get supreme verdict out of the tournament or just uh, sphere lands which seems like a very scary matchup for merfolk truly truly horrible back in the day when i played uh, a lot of lands maybe some 8 years ago merfolk was and this was even when true name was released merfolk was almost a buy you had your chokes but sure they don't have that many islands but it still puts the worst feeling on earth on them paired with a tabernacle and mace choke tabernacle that's a nice combo i definitely think that cradle control and elf strategies will be strong here you know there are a lot of orcish bowmasters decks and that's always scary but they are a really good orcish bowmasters deck as well yeah when it comes to combating other bowmasters deck i think it might be one of the better ones besides shadow for me i think shadow is one of the things i'm more afraid of and it's not due to bowmaster or shadow it's due to that stupid troll (laughs) because my strategy has always been i'm just gonna put these death touch creatures in front of all of their creatures and here comes this giant troll it's like you got free 
yeah, do you got three creatures? And you're like, oh god, I don't. But yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how the meta shakes out because this is like an accumulation from maybe February of meta decks. And we have had one of the bigger shifts since the Lord of the Rings came out. So it's it's going to be really interesting. I'm not seeing a single... Probably not a single The Ring deck here. So I wouldn't be shocked if we perhaps see some of those Paradox Engine decks. There's also not really a uh, like a high tide deck here. I think combo, spell combo might be a bit more than qualified. And that is all we have for this episode. What a fantastic weekend to look forward to and safe travels, Christopher. Make us proud. Listeners are more than welcome to share him on. You can do so in our Discord server. There's a link in the episode description. And in addition to Discord, you can find us all on X. We are at Stockholm Legacy. Also, X is a platform we operate on personally. Robin, where will you post pictures of meager Swedish ice cream while Christopher eats his weight in gelato? I will Twix on Twix. Twix, sir. <laughs> Sorry. I am Jack underscore boat. <laughs> the hell? You can find me at Monolith MTG. I'll probably do a tournament report there. Play by play reporting, please. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. Oh, man, no. Hell no. <laughs> And you can find me under Disco Drogo. And that is the end of the 98th episode of Stockholm Vegas Report. Thank you, Robinson Sien. Thank you, Christopher Wikström. I am Victor Bernhardt. Special thanks to you for listening. The great and mysterious Frönes has written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Until our next episode, I would like you all to think harder about more ways to play Minds Desire. <laughs>